0: Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together to fellowship and worship you, Father. We thank you for the freedom that we have in you and in this country to come together and organize and celebrate you, Father, and preach your gospel. We give you the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Amen. So, two old ladies were sitting talking, and they were talking about all kinds of stuff, and... And one of them turned to the other one and she said, you know, for Christmas and for each one of my kids and grandkids' birthday, I give them a really nice sum of money for a present. And I don't get a call, I don't get a visit, I don't get a thank you. The other lady said, well, I I too give my kids and grandkids a, a sizable gift. But every time I get a call and a personal visit, the lady said, whoa, whoa, "Whoa! What do you mean? You get a call and a personal visit?" She said, "It's real easy. Forget to sign the check. <laughs> <clears throat> they will show up." <clears throat> um, so we finally finished our little series or whatever, and and, uh, and we talked last week, right, <clears throat> about being Christ centered. And in that sermon, we talked about how we were a new creation, right? That it, as when we we're Christ-centered, that God gave us a, a free will, that we get to decide whether or not we want to serve him or, or not, or, or believe in him or not, or worship him or not, or worship something else. You can worship whatever you want. So, But when we become a new creation in Christ, when we make that choice to be a believer right? We don't really add a lot to the equation other than we make a decision in our, our heart and mind to, in our free will to decide that we want to be a Christian, right? But then, y'all, y'all remember those commercials on TV, the, the late night ones that they used to sell stuff? But wait, there's more, right? We're going to offer some more stuff. Once you finally make up your mind that you want to be a Christian, There are all kinds of uh, privileges that come with the title. And what we're going to talk about today is the believer's identity. Like, who is a believer and what do they look like? And that's tough. Because depending on what church you go in or what city you're in or where you're at, East Coast, West Coast, whatever, that definition changes. So I want to talk about, biblically, what does a believer look like? And I, I have a... Crystal's actually bought me a new one, because this one's about to come all the way apart. But, but I have a study Bible, and, and everything in this Bible, I mean, it has all kinds of notes and charts and graphs and things, and it's to help you study and understand. But I felt like this was a really neat, a really neat part of this sermon. So you can't turn to there, because unless you have one of my Bibles, and then it's on page 2039. But it's okay, I'll read it to you. And it talks about true Christianity. True Christian, are those who believe inward and demonstrate outwardly that Jesus' death has allowed God to offer forgiveness and eternal life as a gift to the believer. And they have accepted that gift through faith and are seeking to live lives obedient, full of gratitude for what God has done to them. And that's a lot of sentence in a little bit of time, right? But a true believer is someone who knows that when we became a child of God, that there was an internal transaction that took place, that our heart was crucified, and that we became a child of the living God. And because of what he did for us, we strive to show the world what he looks like living through us. Knowing that it was a gift, that nothing we could do we could earn, nothing we could do to we deserve what we got. We deserve death and hell, right? But, but what we got was grace and love and forgiveness and salvation. So our mentality, our identity as a believer, because look, look, look I, I can't see your heart, right? I can't see the intentions of your heart. You know, sometimes when people do stuff, and you don't agree with it, y'all ever had that conversation? Well, I don't really think he's a bad guy. I think he didn't really know what he was doing, or they didn't really understand, you know, that forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. Y'all ever had one of them conversations? Like, I don't think he intentionally tried to disrespect me. I think it just kind of happened, and they didn't really know. So you're trying to judge the intentions of their heart, right? You're trying to Reason out with your logic what somebody else was meaning when they did something So I can't tell you the intention of your heart and it and if you really try to break it down and express it You have a hard time trying to tell somebody the intentions of your heart You ever did something that was a hundred percent trying to do the right thing trying to be respectful and nice and kind And somebody took offense to it And then you tried to explain it some more and it only made things worse Just me I've done that a couple of times. I have tried hard to help people and insulted them and then smeared around in the mud with it a little while and never got any cleaner. But as a believer, you know what's on the inside of you, right? You know about this relationship with your God and my God, our God, right? So then our goal is as we become a believer that what's on the inside starts to shine through and look like what it looks like on the outside. Now, did, there is a set of rights that come with a Christian, right? That all of the things that I preached on that before, right? It's funny because I preached on it in last October. Because I went back and looked at my notes because I, I just preached on this the other day. Like as I was preparing this sermon, I just preached on this the other day, which was actually October 22nd of last year. So it's not really the other day, right? But there are rights and privileges that come with being a Christian, and we allow the enemy to trample on those rights, and we remain pretty silent. So I started thinking about what kind of example could you use of somebody trampling on your rights, and how you would not be willing to stand for it. And I think the first time I ever preached this sermon was in 2019, maybe and it was talking about somebody having a, a camper that they set up in your yard and started to live in your yard. Now, how long would you let them stay plugged into your house and, and running your water in your yard? And I don't know if that got the point across or not. So today, I'm going to change it just a little bit. How about it when you got home, somebody had took your dog? Because well, I know y'all like them little animals. We, we've had a dog weekend ourselves. How about if somebody took your dog or your cat? or your fish, or whatever thing that you have, or your favorite dish, or your favorite gun, or whatever, your, your prized possession. How about if somebody took that prized possession and said, that's not yours anymore, it's mine. Would you stand around and watch? I know some folks in here probably throw hands over a dog or two. That, that flesh would jump out way in front of the spirit. How about if somebody messed with your kid? There ain't but one way to really, really make my mama mad. That's on top of the list. I think if you tell her her fried chicken's terrible and then pick on her kids, I think that's the two ways you can do it. But yet we allow the enemy to mash on our rights and our identity and steal from us, right? Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you have life and more abundant. But see, here's the problem. <laughs> Well-meaning, good-talking Christians will take something that the thief did to kill, to steal, and destroy, to ravage your rights and say, well, God was doing that to teach you a lesson. Wait a minute. So you wanted me to feel rejected and abandoned for me to then know that God said that I was accepted and adopted? Does that seem right to y'all? See, what we, when, when something comes against us or something's going on in our lives, you know, what we do is, is we pick up the phone and we call our people, right? You call your friend, and if that friend don't agree with you, then you call the next friend. And if that friend don't agree with you, you call the next friend. You finally find somebody who can stand on your side of the equation, right? But what we should do is when something comes against us, we should look at it biblically. Biblically? How does it line up with God's Word? I have a sickness and disease attacking my body. What does God's Word say? 1 Peter 2.24 says that by His stripes you were healed, past tense. So if it doesn't line up with God's Word, then you should quickly understand that This is not of God, right? I mean, if it's not, if it doesn't line up with God's word, then God didn't send it. Pretty easily, if it comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy, it didn't come from God. And as a believer, we'll kind of bow out of the way and allow the enemy to run roughshod over us and go, well, I want to be in God's will Whereas we have a very specific set of rights that belong to us, that the Bible says this is yours, that you've been adopted, you're a child of the Most High God, that there is no condemnation, that you've been set free, that we know the truth, that we've been healed, that we are a new creation, that we are saved. If it goes against any of those things, you should. we've been blessed. You should immediately say, wait a minute, this is not of God. If you know who you are, right? If you know who you are, if you know who you belong to, you should be able to tell whether that's from your daddy or not. How about this? When we had back to church the other day and all them pots was down the table, how many of y'all knew what your mama's dish looked like and knew that's what food you was fixing to eat? I don't have to lie. You don't know, oh, wait a minute, that's so-and-so's pot right there, and I'm going to eat that. Just me? Okay. I'm okay with that. No, the truth is, is that you know who you are, you know where you come from, and you should know your rights in Christ. And allowing the enemy to trample on your rights in Christ... Not for you. I'm not insulting you or, or be, belittling you. For me, if, if when I find myself allowing my rights in Christ to be trampled on, I feel like an embarrassment to God, which is also not biblical, right? Which is also an attack of the enemy. I am concerned over making sure that I represent the creator of the universe and his son who was sent for my salvation to the best of my ability every day and that I walk according to his word and I live according to his word and of the rights that he said was mine did I act accordingly um, I'm quoting that but I, we probably should go ahead and read it 2nd Corinthians and we talked about this last week too but, but we can read it again faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God So, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new is here. So, especially, especially, anything that happened up until the point that you chose to accept Jesus as your personal Savior... That all belongs to somebody that don't live here no more. Thank God, praise God that it belongs to somebody else. All of of that stuff is gone. The old man has been crucified with Christ and it is gone. And we are a new creation in Christ. It's a new beginning, a fresh start. When we accept Jesus as our personal Savior, <clears throat> the adoptionship process happens immediately. Immediately. He, y'all, ever, y'all ever looked at trying to adopt anything? It is not immediate. It's not immediate, is it? No. I <clears throat> telling myself, I drove halfway across the state of Georgia yesterday to adopt a silly little dog for Savannah. Before I got there, I had to watch a video. I had to sign some papers. I had to sit down and then the lady re- re-explained everything that was in the video. I had to re- sign some more papers. I had to read some more stuff before they would let me have this little fuzzy dog. We have 16 deer dogs, a miniature Labradoodle and in a, in a AKC Register Black Lab. She did care. This dog came with the requirements of all the adoptionship that took place. Lady, I am four hours away from where I'm supposed to be, and I'm supposed to be officiating a wedding shortly. Yes, sir, we'll be done in just a moment as I watch the rest of the video. But in Christ, the adoptionship happens Immediately immediately the old is gone and the new has come. Now, I want to ask you a question. That instant, that instant that you became saved, did your accent change? Did your vernacular change? Did it change the words that you used? Did it change your attitude in life? Maybe, maybe just so you might have started to break the crust to change into a new creation. But the truth is, physically, a second before and a second after physically you still probably looked about the same. If you were a little chunky before you got saved, you was probably a little chunky after you got saved. If you lost any weight when you got saved, please tell me. I would love to understand that concept. But what happens is is on the inside of us the spirit man becomes new. He changes. And the process starts to develop to where we become a baby in Christ. And we don't know nothing. And we ain't really good for nothing. And we ain't really experienced enough to help anybody else do anything. (coughs) But what happens is, as we start to develop as a believer in Christ, Paul says that some of y'all still drinking milk and we should be going to eat meat. We have to start to grow up and develop into the Christian that God called us to be. As you grow up as the Christian that God called you to be, you start to understand that he said that the blessings of Abraham came on us through Christ. Well, that's pretty cool. I want all of them that we've been redeemed from the curse. Man, that's pretty cool. I'd like to have some of that. That we have been adopted as the sons and daughters of God. Amen, brother. I want, some, I want all of that. That we have been healed. That we have been set free. That we have been redeemed. That we have been forgiven. That our sins are like the east from the west to be remembered no more. See, that's who a Christian is. That's, who, that's what your rights are. The problem is, it's like I said a minute ago, that outside guy, he don't change a lot. He don't change quick for sure. So the habits of the flesh still are the habits of the flesh. If you ate a bowl of ice cream every day before you got saved, you're probably still eating that bowl of ice cream every day after you got saved. If you don't exercise any before you got saved, you probably didn't join the gym the next day. If you smoked a cigarette the day before, you probably smoked a cigarette the next day. Now, praise God, you might put down some of those things, but immediately, the outside shell looks the same. And so what happens is, is the instant that something happens, and you slip up, or you do something you're not supposed to do, or you say something you're not supposed to say, or you act a certain way, Somebody will come running to you out of the bushes from somewhere that you ain't never seen them before and say, I thought you was a Christian. Let me ask you, do you think that I thought you was a Christian statement comes from God? Ooh, no, no, no. Romans 8 says, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Does that give us an excuse to sin however we want? Heck no. We are supposed to crucify our flesh and renew our mind and work hard and diligent to be a new creation in Christ. Does that mean you're perfect? If you could be perfect, you didn't need Jesus to die for you to start off with. And he died in vain. Now, I am, quote, I am paraphrasing and quoting a lot of Scripture, to, and going to get on me later. But that's okay. We will go to Romans 8. Crystal likes for me to read it and then explain it every time. Ain't that right, baby? Yes, ma'am. Romans 8 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh. God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. So he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been set free from that. So, if and you are doing something, na now, now, now whoo, time out. If you go about doing something and that little thing on the back of your head starts telling you this is a bad idea, that in fact is of God. Y'all ever have any of those opportunities where God tells you to do something and you go, ah, that ain't true, and you go about doing it? hmm. You should listen to them. It's not the lady on Facebook telling you you're doing it wrong. That's not where it comes from. That's not who God chose to correct you. It is on the spirit that lives on the inside of you, who molds you into who you're supposed to be. And if you can't hear that voice, you probably should be a little more quiet. All right, stay in Romans 8 14, chapter, um, verse 14, 8:14, 14, "For those who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. For the spirit you receive does not make you a slave, that you should live in fear again, rather the spirit you received brought you an adoptionship, and by him we cry, cry, Abba, Father, or Daddy. Daddy. Daddy, I need help. If my phone rings, and it's one of my three, and the first word is Daddy, I'm like, oh boy, what's broke? Where are we, what's going on now? Actually, Savannah says, Father, whatever, something wrong with her. <clears throat> we should be so in tune with who we are as a believer, to know who we are as a believer, to know our rights as a believer, that when something comes up against us, we should have an instant understanding of whether is this of God or is this of the devil. And if there is a question mark, then you should go to the answer book. Because this answer book, and they're like, oh, it's outdated and it's old and it's, mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. There are still mysteries that are locked in the Bible that we still do not fully understand. There are still prophecies in the Bible that have not come to fruition t- yet. There are thousands that have, there are still some that haven't. It is just as relevant today as when Paul put ink to paper however far back you want to go. It's just as relevant today. And as a believer, it should be, you're like, I, let me Google that. You should be, wait a minute, let me go to my Bible and see where that lines up. What does God's Word say about what's going on in my life? I, you know, I'm a believer of Christ, so let me see what the Bible says. Well, I think you should do X, Y, and Z. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the Bible says this. The Bible says that we are sons and daughters of God, that we have been redeemed from the curse, that we are blessed, we are saved, that we are healed. If anything comes up against that and it don't line up with God's word, why are you asking somebody? You ever known the answer to something, but you had to ask the question anyway? That's what you would be doing. We know what the answer says. The answer says that he has called us according to his purpose. That he knew the hairs on our head. That he knew us before we were born. That we have been saved and redeemed from the curse. Does it contradict that? Then it's not of God. And I don't care where it comes from. I don't care if it's a parent or a teacher or a policeman or a a firefighter, anybody else with any kind of authority, if it does not line up with God's Word, it is against God's Word. It is not for you. And that is a really easy statement to make right up until where the rubber meets the road. It is a difficult statement to live by that we should be so in tune to know who we are in Christ that it's not even a question mark on, yeah, but, but they said that I should have... What does the Bible say? Yeah, but it, I, what does the Bible say? Well, they rejected me and put me down and talked bad about me. Well, get away from them. God does not want you around those people. And I don't care if they're blood-related or not. I don't care if they were, I don't care. The creator of the universe designed me to be who I am. Now, he probably intended to be about 20 pounds lighter, and that's my fault. But he designed me to be exactly who I am. He called me for this reason right here. And I can Oklahoma guarantee you 12 or 14 years ago, you'd have won all the money you wanted to win if anybody would have bet you on whether this would be where I'm at today. Ain't it? Yeah. What does it say? He takes the foolish to... uh, Concerned the wise. Yes, that's it. This is the foolish. But I get to the part to where God's word says, and I stand right there. God's word says that I have been healed. God's word says that I have been set free. God's word says I have been redeemed from the curse. God's word says that I have been adopted and accepted, and I am a child of the Most High God. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. So then exactly what are you talking about? Because if it doesn't line up with that, well then it's a fairy tale. And you can have whatever opinion you want. You can think that or not think that. Like I said to start off with, I I can't see the intentions of your heart. God can. Robbie can't. We have to get down to the root of who you are in Christ and understand that you belong to something, that you are part of something, and that he loves you and that he cares for you and that he wants you to have these things. Yeah, yeah, but I understand, but I, 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 this runs in my family. It don't run in my family. I've been blood-bought. Whatever happened before then has been wiped away. I'm a new creation. Good. I'm a child of the Most High God. I've been set free from that. Whatever that is. We have to act like who we are. Now, that's not haughty. That's not to look down your nose. It's humble and gentle and meek. I want to act like Jesus acted loving and caring and kind. And compassionate, and empathetic. That's what a Christian looks like. Not scolding and telling people what they're doing wrong, and hell hacking them, and beating them beside the head with the Bible, and harassing them, and telling them about all the things that they're wrong. They know already. And if they don't know, the extent of what they should know is, Jesus loves you. Amen. And the same way you don't, wash up before you get in the shower is the same way you don't clean up before you can become a Christian. That transaction that happens on the inside as it grows starts to glow on the outside. And if that transaction has happened on the inside and your outside ain't glowing, then back to Romans and maybe, just maybe, just maybe. Romans 12. Therefore, uh, 12.1, I'm sorry. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. For this is your true and proper worship. Verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. See, without renewing your mind, you can't shine on the outside. Without cleaning up the inside, you can't shine on the outside. You can't see God on the outside if you're not working with God on the inside. I mean, sloth is one of those sins too, right? Where we don't do nothing. That's not the Christian you want to be. We do not conform to this world's pattern. We renew our mind and develop in Christ. And understand who we are in Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for your word. Father, we thank you for all of the things that you have done for us, that our our identity in you, Father, that we are faithful in that. Father, that you watch over your word to perform it. We give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.